Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm ready for the Word. Jesus, help me to deliver the Word of the Lord today. Um, I just need wisdom, just, just because there's so many places to go here. Um, but we're going to roll with it. Amen. Uh, I believe that you will be thoroughly blessed today. Um, not because it's me I'm speaking, although, um, you know, you might enjoy hearing somebody else with a different accent, which is kind of refreshing for you. You know, I don't know. I don't know. If you, if you, you know, usually people say, hey, I really love your accent. And I usually say, well, yeah, you should come over to South Africa because they'll love yours when you're there. You know, everybody loves something that's always different. But as per the Cajun folk, let me just say something. Y'all have the one and only accent out there. There is no other. In fact, I know there's the United States of America and then there's... Louisiana, all right, and more specifically Lafayette, you know, just and, and like probably about a 40 mile radius, only place in the country, it is a different place. I mean, nobody does rice like you guys, nobody does rice. I mean, rest of the country, it's all potatoes and whatever. I mean, I don't mind potatoes, but I grew up on rice myself. So when I came here, I was inducted into a culture that was very easy to love food-wise, praise the Lord. Anyway, I won't say anything more about food because I've been trying to stay away from it lately. Anyway, <laughs> praise God. No, I spent the first three years with you guys fattening me up. And I know you were trying to eat me at the end of the day and I said, it's not going to happen. <laughs> you were fattening me up like a, like a stuffed pig. You know what I mean? So, but anyway, praise God. We're going to get into this. Somebody say, blessed through Abraham. Blessed through Abraham. Somebody say, a better testament. A better testament. All right. Uh, how many of you know that, you know, when we talk about the Word, we usually, at the very simplistic level of it, we usually, whoa, sorry, we usually say a couple of things. We usually say new covenant, old covenant and new covenant. Or we say old testament and new testament. Amen. And so realize that there's actually a difference in the word covenant and testament. I mean, like I don't want to uh, split hairs on verbiage here this morning, but there is a difference. A covenant, a covenant, um, although can bring you into a testament. Remember the word testament is actually a word more derived from receiving a will. All right, you've been included into a will. You have a written testament. Amen. Covenant is covenant is something that that we can we can have a covenant together on something or we can have an agreement. Okay, so it's different. We have a business agreement together. Uh, it's different than me saying, hey, I have a testament for you. That's different than having an agreement. An agreement is a business transaction. If you do your part, I'll do my part. And we're gonna have all the clauses and what we can do and what we cannot do. And we shouldn't operate outside the boundaries of what is in this business transaction or covenant, all right? And usually... Covenants are always 
um, uh, enforced in, in, uh, for, for the most part, historically, there's always been, covenants have always been sealed by the shedding of blood. You know, even tribes, you know, certain tribes, certain gang leaders, I'm talking, I'm just saying, you know, uh, that they would, you know, that they would cut their hands and then they would shake hands together. That whole tradition of, of coming into covenant um, always involved, um, it's, you know, you seal the deal in blood. Are you with me? And then, and then not only that, there was the shedding of the blood of animals and all kinds of things that were practiced in terms of become, coming into covenant. Well, covenant Covenant in the eyes of God was, um, you know, I want to say this as quickly as possible. Uh, God had to come back into the earth. What do you mean He had to come back into the earth? He had to gain access back into the earth. What do you mean He had to gain back access into the earth? Well, He gave all of the earth to Adam, right? Anybody? He gave all of the earth to Adam. Adam um, transgressions and and uh, transgresses, sorry, uh, and and obviously the fall the fall of man through disobedience. Because if you want to, there is actually a type of agreement between God and Adam right from the beginning. And he says to Adam, Adam, you can have everything. In fact, you have total dominion of the earth, everything over the birds of the air, the fish in the water. Come on you know, fish in the water. And then uh, over every living creature and everything that creep and every creeping thing that creeps. And I've seen a lot of creeps, all right? So, so he gives them dominion over it all. And he says, Adam, only one thing. And there's the agreement part. He says, only one thing. He says, you, you have everything. It all belongs to you, full, the fullness of authority. Nobody outside of me. Come on, are you with me? And I'm just kind of uh, um, ad-libbing here. Nobody outside of him has a greater authority in the earth outside of Adam because he's given Adam complete jurisdiction, complete authority. Amen? Amen. And he says, now... The only way you're going to mess that up, and he, he, in fact, he didn't say it like that, but he did say, only do not touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because in the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely die. And in dying, you shall die. Are you with me? It's like dying twice. Come on, I'm going to kill you till you're dead. All right, you're going to die till you're dead, Adam. Are you with me? All right, so he's cut off from God. Uh, that was this, a silly thing. My sister, I can say this, I can make a blonde joke. My sister is blonde and uh, she was in the United States of America with my wife and I. We were living in, uh, Pidge, uh, well, in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. We were driving through the mountains in Gatlinburg and around the Pigeon Forge in the Smoky Mountains area. And I quickly asked her the question, I said, what would you do? Uh, if I just dropped you here in the middle of the woods, she said, well, I'd die, but then I'd probably survive. <laughs> true story. No, this is a true story. All right. No, some of you didn't get that, but that's just my sister. And then, and then she was somewhere on the, on, the, on the east coast of Florida, and there was some lighthouse. And she said, oh my, this is when President Bush was president. And uh, she said, oh my goodness. There's where the president lives. So everybody's just looking at her going, what are you talking about? Well, there's the lighthouse. That's where the president... And we had to inform her, if the president didn't live in a lighthouse, he lived in the White House. So I'm just saying. Um, so 
I can make that joke at the expense of my sister. She was blonde, amen? Well, she's kind of getting a little bit more. As, as the more intelligent she gets and the more she thinks things through, the more her hair darkens. Praise God. So, so now, Adam, <laughs> this really happened. I'm not making that up. Uh, and she would be here laughing herself. So it's not like I'm doing it behind her back. Um, but anyway, so, so Adam transgresses, sin enters into the world. In other words, Adam hands over the key of authority. Amen. How many of you know that the enemy gained authority through deception and deceit? Okay, so God, now the enemy has authority. God now does not operate through deceit and divisiveness. He doesn't come back so that we can be restored into authority. He doesn't do that illegally. He does that legally. So He does that through this thing called covenant, which is, which is I'm right on track. I'm not, I'm not like on a rabbit trail here. So, so He comes into covenant so that He has legal access back into the earth. Are you with me? And those covenants were ratified in blood. So we wanna talk about blessed through Abraham and somebody say a better testament. Now I want, to, I want to spend some time and this is where I've got to have wisdom. I don't know how I'm going to get through everything. I just want to say everything's going to be okay. It's all going to work out. All right, that's prophetic. It's all going to work out and it's going to be good because the plan and the purpose that the Lord has for you is not for anything uh, outside of peace and rest and a time where you shall grow. You know, the Lord says He's gonna, you know, it, it's, it's just gonna increase, it will come. But, but, but even from the onset, it shall be restful. Amen. And so I just prophesy rest over both of you and, and your entire family in the name of Jesus. And, I, and I'm just saying that out of an unction right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Rest, rest, rest for you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Let's go here. We're talking about Abraham. I want to uh, start off here really quickly. You don't have to go there. Um, and then I'm going to read. <laughs> Lord, help me, Jesus. All right. Genesis chapter 13. And you don't have to go there because I'm only going to read one verse. I don't want to go too far back here. I'm using my phone because I need several devices for all the scriptures I'm going to here. Genesis 13. Where are you? Now, uh, verse one says, so Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev and his wife and all that belonged to him and Lot with him. The Bible says, now Abraham was very rich in livestock and in silver and gold. Yeah. Somebody say very rich. very rich. So Abraham is already a blessed man. Somebody say Abraham is blessed. Okay, so I'm just trying to establish where we're coming from here with Abraham. Then if we flip over to verse 14, it says here, Then the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, He says, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which you see. And I will give it to you and your descendants forever." And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth for I will give it to you. 
Come on, somebody. So God is already telling Abraham what's in store for him. All right. And and, uh, guess what? I want to point out that we are blessed through Abraham. Amen. Amen. Our covenant is completely got zero to do with the covenant of the law. Zero, nothing, nada, nothing. Every blessing that the Bible talks about has got nothing to do with the law. The blessing the Bible is very specific that applies to you and I because we are in the seed of Abraham. We have Abraham's blessings. Are you with me? Stick with me here. It had nothing to do with the law, zero. And we'll see that in just a few moments. Stick with me. What's up, brother? Doing good? Good. All right, let's go to chapter 14 and let's go ahead and read from verse 17. And I'm not even gonna do this portion justice here at all because I'm focusing on Abraham in this portion of Scripture. But I might say some things that'll get your mind to just kind of get tweaked just a little bit. Um, Somebody say, that's okay. All right. Then after his return from the, def- the, the defeat of uh, Cheddar Lomer, sounds like a place with a lot of cheese, Cheddar Lomer, Cheddar Lomer. I would have also defeated that place and eaten all the cheese. I don't blame him. And the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet with him at the valley of Shava. Shava? You've got to be French to read that. That, uh, that is the King's Valley. Somebody say, and Melchizedek. Melchizedek. So, you, okay, you can stop right there. King of Salem brought out bread and wine. All right. Now, without going to Hebrews, but you can find it in Hebrews. I believe it's probably in chapter, somewhere between six, seven and eight. I believe it's in chapter seven where it talks all about Melchizedek, um, which I want to actually talk about Melchizedek and spend time, maybe one or two Sundays, just talking about Melchizedek. But, but we'll deal with that at some point. But this Melchizedek in Hebrew says, without, uh, uh, with, with no uh, genealogy, in other words, they didn't even know where he came from. So Melchizedek appears here with Abraham from out of nowhere, bringing bread and wine. Are you with me? Now, I want you to know that Melchizedek, he is dubbed and named and given a title to which no man possesses. How many of you know that, that his name had two meanings? It was Prince of Righteousness and Prince of Peace. And he was King of what? Salem, which is Jerusalem. Are you with me? So, so Melchizedek, Melchizedek has name. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think there's any man that has been called Prince of Righteousness. Stick with me here. I don't know about any other man that has been called Prince of Peace. Other than Melchizedek is the incarnate Christ. Appearing to Abraham and breaking bread and wine. And what is he doing as he's breaking bread and wine with them? He is cutting covenant with Abraham. All right. So we must then begin to think about if a 
Abraham is sitting with Melchizedek, a pre-incarnate Christ. And, and Melchizedek is breaking bread and wine with him. Bread and wine. Come on, the blood and the body of Jesus. That the Bible says in Galatians, which we're gonna get to that in just a second. I, 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 this is why I'm like, Lord, help me get this through. Galatians actually says the Gospel. And that's not the main point in Galatians that I wanna get into chapter three today. The Bible says that the Gospel is preached to Abraham beforehand. When? With Melchizedek. Are you with me? So they are coming into a covenant. All right? And I want you to see something that when God blesses Abraham, it's got nothing to do with Abraham. He says, Abraham, I will bless bless you. In blessing, you will be blessed. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Abraham hasn't even said a word and God's declaring all of the blessing that He gives to Abraham. Stick with me here because I wanna free you from some garbage. Because so much stuff that we have in our lives, when it goes wrong, we find out on which side of the covenant we're in by the words that we speak. Why do I say that? Because the moment things go wrong, we begin to evaluate ourselves and we say, well, why is this happening to me? What did I do? What did I, well, how did I go wrong here? Pastor Mark, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Well, right there, you're telling yourself exactly what you're doing wrong. You're still living somewhere in the law where it's based on what you're doing and God has set you free from that thing. He's trying to say, it's not, if, it were, if it's about what you're doing and I put my blessing, this whole thing is gonna turn around and make it all about you. It's not about you. It's about what I've done for you. I've separated you from any part of having any credit or glory in this thing. Some people don't like to hear that because they wanna take some credit and glory. Except for when everything goes wrong. No, 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 if you want that deal, take the whole deal. You can't just choose which part of it you want. Are you with me? So, so he says, so he breaks, he, he comes out with, bread, with uh, bread and wine, now he was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of God most high. Blessed be Abraham. He pronounces blessing over him. Yeah. Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And what has Abraham done for him at this point? <laughs> Zero. Nada. Amen. He just shows up there. Are you with me? And then the Lord just before that has said to him, listen, as far as I can see, Abraham, I've given like the dust of the earth. I mean, I've given you to you and your descendants, you'll be blessed. And then now he's having another encounter with Melchizedek and Melchizedek is pronouncing blessing. Abraham has brought nothing to the table except that the priest of God most high is pronouncing blessing. Blessed be Abraham, possessor of heaven and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. He, and guess what he did? He gives him a tenth of all. He's sitting with the incarnate Christ. So Abraham's gift 
who the incarnate Christ, who Bible says has, the gospel has been preached to him beforehand, gives to Jesus a tithe before the coming of Jesus, knowing that as he's sitting there, he's giving it to Jesus. Nothing to do with the law. Zero with the law. Not even attached. The law comes 430 years after the fact. Abraham's, so okay, let me just go ahead and say, Abraham tithed to Jesus who fully understand, understood everything and saw that when, when the Bible says the gospel was preached to Abraham, what does that mean? I didn't say it, Galatians says it. Good news. In other words, the gospel that was preached to Abraham as he was coming into covenant with Abraham. This is all a legal transaction now. God is visiting Ab- Abram. He's visiting him so that down the lineage of Abraham, Christ comes into the world. Are you with me? Why? Because he's gaining legal access back into the earth and God chooses Abraham and it was accounted to him righteousness because he did what he believed. Not because he did good. He said it was accounted to him righteousness because he believed. So God finds Abraham to cut covenant, to come into the earth so that Jesus would come in and install for us a testament, a will, not a covenant. All right, now the Bible translations, the New King James, the King James Version will use the word testament. The other translations will use the word covenant. But, uh, but, but, but why we know it's a testament is because actually I have this written down here on a side note, Hebrews chapter nine, verse 14 through 16. It says here, how much more shall the blood of Christ who, who through the eternal spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, He is the mediator. Somebody say, He is the mediator. Say, He is the mediator. Say, I am not a mediator. Say, He is the mediator. That means He stood in the gap for humanity. All right? And He is the mediator and one who stood in the gap of the New Testament. That means by the, by, that means of death for the redemption of the transgression of those who were under the first testament or covenant, they are, that they all might receive the promise of eternal inheritance for there, where there is a testament or come on, for where there is a written will, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. In other words, the one who wrote the will has to die in order for the testament to be of now to be in full effect. And we know Jesus who executed the will of the Father, come on, with His own blood, died in order for that testament, somebody say will. will. Somebody say will. will. Somebody say will. will. So how many of you know, how much do you have to work for your will? 
How much, you know, it's like me telling you, hey, I've got $10 million that I've just given to you and I'm just using monetary things so it can make sense here. I've got 10 million in you, you know, I'm leaving $10 million to you, except I'm not gonna die, I'm still very much alive. Uh, I'm just gonna allow you just like the prodigal son, I'm gonna give you your part of your inheritance now. Uh, you, you know, and Jeremy is such a good boy. He goes to the bank manager at Capital One, or whichever bank he banks with. And he says to the manager, look, I work 40, sometimes 50 hours a week. But if I can volunteer six or seven hours after that, do you mind if I start pulling out a certain amount of money from my will that have been, that's been given to me? How many of you know that would be ludicrous? Why? He can't work for a will. It's his money. It's already His. Oh, come on, somebody. Jesus, help us. How many of us in our Christian walk are walking around just like Mr. Letter going to Capital One, trying to tell God if we perform just good enough, could we partake of His heavenly gift? Could we have a little bit of this and could we have a little bit of that? And we're so proud of the fact that we come and we're doing our part, glory to God, to get, come on, all of Christ's riches and His blessings came freely to you and I. They have already been given to us. Christianity is not you making weekly withdrawals by what you do. Christianity is you understanding how rich the provision of the cross that has been freely given to you by His goodness. And we don't try to get it by showing Him how good we are. No, no, no. We get it by saying, thank you so much for your goodness to me. God, what do I need to do? How can you use me? Not because I'm trying to earn a withdrawal, no. That's, come on, that's futility. That is called dead works. Dead works. Somebody say dead, because it's dead. I set you free from that in the name of Jesus. That was the law that called and tell the law it's got no longer permission to stay. So we've been given a living will. So it's important now, just shift your mindset. We have a testament in Christ. Jesus, what do you think He does before He dies? Just before He's on His way to, to go to the cross. And we know that, I mean, He is going through so much anguish. The Bible says He, <laughs> he sweat almost like tears, like it was, like it was sweat of blood. But before all of that happens, he's sitting with his disciples and he's breaking bread and wine. In other words, he's Melchizedek come back to do the same thing that he did with Abraham. And he's trying to tell them, listen, let me tell you the covenant that this testament that I'm going to enforce, remember your father, Abraham. Yeah. 
I met with Him and I broke bread and wine with Him. This covenant and the blessing that is about to be reallotted to you that was broken in Adam. Come on, are you with me? That He, Jesus, is not just, we call Him the second Adam. He's the last Adam, baby. He's the last Adam. There's never gonna be another, another Christ. Are you with me? Jesus is never coming down. He's never going to a cross again because the Bible says He said it is finished. After saying it is finished, He ascended, sat at the right hand of the Father. And anybody who sits down is only one who sits down. Why? Because He's completed what He came to do. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible, and, the, and, and so God is pleased in the effort of Jesus and His accomplishment and everything that He did for humanity, everything that needed to be done was done in Himself. Come on. I don't know about you, but I get super excited about this stuff. I'm not preaching another gospel. This is the gospel that Paul preached. And it's okay, you know, I'm okay to say this now because, I, I, I'm, you know, I've made a decision a long time ago that I'm not in the ministry to try and win a popularity contest. I'm not here trying to win and get in the book of numbers to get with the who's who in the zoo so we can rub shoulders together and say, how many you got, how many I got? Well, you should see how many I, I'm not interested. All I know is that if we'll preach the truth, Jesus will build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And guess what? It doesn't matter if it's it takes us a little bit longer to build than everybody else, but we're gonna do it by the strength of God because anything that we have to do in our own strength, we're gonna have to work up even more strength to keep it. And I'm not gonna go into the straitjacket of ministry where, where most people in the ministry that have started up churches end up just, just, just broken. Marriages are broken. No, I never knew ministry was gonna be this way. Why? Because you exalted ministry. You put it like a golden calf. You treated the church like it was a franchise and you treat people like their numbers, busting them in and out and we separate them from their money and we say, God bless you. We'll see you next week. And, and, and there's nobody that's getting touched by the the presence of God. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just telling you the truth this morning. Amen. We end up in a straitjacket, you know. Yeah. Ministry, ministry, ministry. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not. I'm not in. And, and I'm just saying this. Please understand. I, I, I'm not interested in any of that. I'm staying in peace. I'm staying in my lane. And whatever my lane looks like, that's my problem. Meaning, you know, because some people think like, you know, you've got to pray 10 hours a day to keep the devil away. No, and I'm not saying, and, I, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong. We, we pray, we stay sober. You know, I'm just trying to say, I'm bringing context here. Stay sober for your enemy. The enemy comes like a roaring lion seeking him. I'm not saying we shouldn't be sober. We must be sober. That's the problem. Half the people are drunk. Drunk on wine, maybe drunk on the things of this world. Drunk in the affairs of life. Are you with me?
But I rest in the anointing God's given me. Why? Because I rest in the fact that it's His anointing. Sometimes I think, you know, with certain people, you know, before some meeting, sometimes I travel, you know, I've done that more often in the past and it's slowed down a little bit, but there's a grace for where I'm at right now. But some people, you just want to go ahead and pull out your PlayStation 5 remote because they come over trying to meet the man of God that's about to preach that night there and they're expecting you to be floating on cloud nine somewhere. And uh, you've got to make sure that you make them think that you're a legit bona fide man of God. So, so I better make sure I am floating on cloud nine when they come so that they have a good perception of me. And I do the opposite. I'll just pull out my PlayStation 5 remote and play, you know, uh, some great, Gran Turismo 5 racing car and the guy's going, well, aren't you going to pray right now? No, 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 I've still got three more races. Pray for me while I race. (laughs) And then get to the church and the glory of God falls. And they go, huh? It had nothing to do with me in the first place. The lesson wasn't about the fact that I don't pray, no. The lesson was is that you think your prayers make you more anointed. And who taught you that? Religion did. (laughs) Hallelujah. I I mean, I was flipping through my, my pages here in my Bible app here while I was talking to you, getting so excited. Give me a quick second. I'll be there. How many of you know it's okay to be relaxed in church? I haven't lost where I'm supposed to be. And he gave him a tenth of all. So the king of Sodom said to Abraham, now this is the king of Sodom, take, uh, take me and the goods for yourself. And Abraham, oh, come on, oh, stick with me. Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to the Lord God most high. In other words, I have made an oath. Who did he make an oath to? Who's he sitting with? The enemy comes immediately to Abraham and says, hey, listen, just give me back my guys. You keep everything. He said, I will not. Because I made an oath to God. He says, I won't touch so much as a hair. You give back some of my young, some translation to my young lads. You give some, some, some of the stuff back to my lads and that's it. But I'm not touching a thing. Lest you say Abraham has become rich because of you. Listen, where God is taking me and the blessing and the covenant He's put on this testament that I'm gonna get a, to be a partaker of through which God is originating in me. I'm not going to attach myself with anything that has to do with the arm of the flesh. No, 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 no. My blessing comes from God. That's the attitude of that's the attitude of Abraham. And by the way, we're, we're, and I say this because this, this is going to fit right here. I'm just checking the time at the same time here. How many? Okay, great. I've got 21 minutes. 20 something. Like, 19 minutes. All right. So so uh, when we moved here, if I had my own way. How many of you know? Some of you know the story, but I'm going to say it one more time. If I had to have moved here, I would have probably said, Lord, could you not send us to Hawaii? 
you know, I'd rather be in Hawaii, being able to, no, go, Lord, send us to Hawaii, we'll plant a church. As soon as church is over, we'll go get a Hawaiian burger with some fries, you know, just nice and crispy on the outside, sort of soft on the inside. So you've got a little bit of texture going on there with some Hawaiian sauce. Sorry if I'm getting into too much, you know, some Parmesan cheese grated over the fries uh, with some, uh, what's it, truffle oil. Praise God, hallelujah. And then, and then once it's kind of digest, get up and go, jump in the waves, get on a surfboard. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Let me suffer for you in Hawaii. Lord, if it's possible, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But if it's your will, send me there. But the Lord said, go to, go to Lafayette. <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm so glad He sent us here. But <laughs> thank you, Jesus. The people in Hawaii do not know what they're missing out on. Just, just saying. You know, I try to tell them, but they just don't want to listen. They're still stuck in some other testament. Are you with me? Uh, anyway, so when He sent us here, we were given a very big offer to start church using a specific method. And I'm not coming against the method at all. It's not my place to criticise it because I know some people that have done really well with it. You know, um, personally, I have my own angle on it. I just want to be led by the Spirit. I'm not doing things through the arm of the flesh. We're not doing it that way. And uh, so I came out of that meeting and the best way I could describe it, I felt this heaviness on me. And the people that presented it to me I love them dearly. Every part of their fibre was pure. And they wanted to help us. There was no ill motivation there. They wanted us to, to be a successful for the Kingdom of God. And, and you, know, you know, how many of you know you can, you, can, uh, you, can, you can do slow and painful or you can go fast and furious? Are you with me? I prefer Fast and Furious personally. Sometimes God's got to just work us. He's got to, you know, come on. It, uh, how many of you know God likes to kill you a little bit? I'm talking about your flesh now. Likes to cook you, sizzle you a little bit so that more of Jesus can be made manifest. And then the best way I could describe that feeling was like Saul's armour was given to me. It's the best way. I mean, I literally felt that. The Lord said, what you're feeling is like Saul's armour. Didn't make the person giving. You know, when Saul gave David the armour, it wasn't like Saul had in the back of the head, of, if we can just get David killed, we'll go ahead and put that arm. Saul's attitude with David was so that he could conquer Goliath. There was no ill motivation. The motivation given to me for do, to do church a certain way, there was no wrong motivation there. I had to, dis, the Lord described it to me and I said, ah, that's exactly the way I feel. And then the Lord said to me, He says, now look at Abraham and this is the way I want to build you. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, look at Mel, look, go, go to where Melchizedek, so I'm thinking of Melchizedek the whole time. And I'm like, no, the Lord said to me, no, look at what He said when the King of Sodom came back 
He said, I will not take any. God said, I don't want you trying to do things with the help of man. Though you might need it, though you might want it, you need to pay the price so that when I raise up what I wanna raise up through you, only God will be able to get the credit for it. So this whole thing is, is, a, is a, a maneuvering of God. God is wanting to do birth something and it's not just in me. You see, God saw you inside the picture that together we are birthing something here that has God's fingerprint on it. And what He orders, He pays for. Come on, I'll say that one more time. What God orders, He pays for. All right, now, all right, so, so that's chapter 14. Then God in chapter 15, I'm kind of, you need to write all this stuff down because there's no ways I'm getting through all of it. God now speaks to Abraham again, tells him all about that covenant. And then He puts Abraham into a deep sleep. Like, you know, he, he, he speaks to Abraham and He even shows Abraham in 400 years from now, uh, then He starts talking to him about the covenant of the law in 400 years, which is to come in Moses. And they're gonna have to go through all of that. So God reveals, remember, the whole gospel is preached to Abraham, including everything that had to take place. And that's where you see the smoking oven, by the way. Come on, the, 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 the animals that are cut in two, one flips to the one side, the other flips. And then there's this flaming torch that passes through. So if I have, come on, stick with me here. In fact, I need to uh, stand up, both of you, really quickly. I've done this before, but I'm gonna do it again as a reminder. So there's one half of the animal. There's the other half of the animal. And uh, which side are you? No, I'm just joking. All right, the animal is actually, so if you understand when the animal is cut in two, it means down the centre, all the way down, he has one half and it's not like cut through the abdomen and there's the, the back end and there's the front end. It's cut down the middle on both sides. The Bible says a flaming torch is hovering between it. This is after he comes out of his trance. So how does a flaming tor- torch hover between the sacrifice? It says between it. So it comes in and weaves through here. Come on, somebody, y'all. Trying to see what math what mathematical figure this is making. All right, number one, not only infinity, but the number what? The number eight, which means new beginnings. Come on. New beginnings, what do you mean new beginnings? What Adam lost, (laughs) glory to God. This covenant, this testament is going to bring, come on, the fullness. And not only new beginnings, new as means is better than the old. The former, come on, are you with me? The, 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 the latter is gonna be different. We know there's the Scriptures, is the former and the latter reign together. Are you with me? But the former, the latter shall be greater than the former. So now that is established. 
established by the shedding of blood here with Abraham. He's seen everything from, from, from Melchizedek. He's breaking bread and wine. When Jesus sits with His disciples, He's actually telling them, listen, the covenant of blessing that I am ratifying with my blood here, because He said, you know, I'm gonna die and I'm gonna be raised again. Peter said, no, you're not far be it from you. Get thee behind me, Satan, for you're not mindful of the things of men. Come on, but you're mindful of the things of the Spirit, but you're, come on, you're, you're mindful of the things of the flesh. You're not thinking with the Spirit, Peter. Shut your mouth. Yes. All right? So he's talking about his blood and his body that is gonna be broken, but he's going back and he's saying, the blessing that is going to be reintroduced to you is the blessing that I made with who? Abraham. Come on. All right, we're not done here. Gotta make sure. Genesis 22, quickly, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. I've got to go there quicker than you. Genesis, I'm gonna have to type this out. Genesis 22. And I haven't even, oh Lord Jesus, it's all right. I will be good today, I promise. Is this okay, anybody? All right, so, so I, want to, I want to just quickly, how many of you like types and shadows? All right, we're gonna read a few verses, then we're gonna get to the last part of the blessing, the covenant of Abraham, all right? The blessing, the, the testament, all right? Here, yeah, we're gonna get there in just a few seconds. I wanna read the verse. You, you all have heard me read this before. I'm gonna do a little bit more of a reading of it right now. It says, now it came about after these things, 22 verse one, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take, now watch the language. I've told you everything that I've told you. Everything I've told you happens before this. You know, how many of you know 14 and 15 come before 22? Yes. All right, so, so now watch the language. So Abraham now has had the entire Gospel preached to him. How many of you know he has revelation? Yes. Right, he has revelation. So Abraham, full of revelation, has God speaking to him, testing him. What do you think if you have all of that revelation, what you're gonna do? God comes to him and says, take now, listen to the language that God uses. Take now your son, your only son. All right. Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Now I usually stop here and I always use the Scripture because this is take it now, your only son. We know that Abraham only didn't only have Isaac, he had Ishmael also, but God says, take now your only son. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't lying to, to Abraham. God's very much aware, you know, when, when, when they sent um, uh, uh, Ishmael out with his mom, what's her, what's her name? Hagar. So he leaves, he sends them out and she thinks they're gonna die. And then the Lord visits them and said, look, I'm gonna bless you. In, you know, the nation's gonna be blessed through. So he even puts a blessing on Hagar and Ishmael. Are you with me? We know the story there. We're not going that way now. All right, let me click out here. So, so it says here, he take now your only son. And he says, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and settled his donkey and took the two of his young men and went with him and Isaac, his son. And he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God on the third day, Somebody, all right. 
Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad and I will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Now he already either lied or he had a revelation of something. He said, the lad and I will return. He had the whole Gospel preached to him. So he has a revelation of what? Resurrection. He says, God's asked me to kill my son. I'm just getting ahead of myself here. He's going, I'm going to kill my son, but I've seen Jesus raise, I've seen the Father raise up His own son, quite, because the Gospel was preached to him when he had an encounter with Melchizedek. Hello, come on, are you with me? And he goes, I'm gonna go and kill him, but I know the same God that raises up his own son because I've seen it, he showed it to me, is able to raise up my son. That's why he said, the lad and I will return. He didn't even tell his servants, listen, y'all keep quiet, I'm gonna kill, gonna kill Isaac here. He, he didn't tell them because he didn't need to. The lad and I, now I want you to notice something, the lad and I, some of us, some people have pinned uh, 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 Isaac at like two years old, ridiculous, it doesn't even make any sense. But I will tell you that, you know, after doing quite a bit of research, uh, he is probably at the age of about 15 here, 15 years. And how many of you know life functioned a little bit different to a 15-year-old's functioning today, yeah. all right? And everything's on the line to be tested here because Isaac is now 15 years of age and he's following his daddy. He doesn't know what's about to take place, poor guy. All right, uh, let me go. Uh, wh- wh- where were we? What verse quickly? Uh, on the th- no, 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 we, the lad and I. Where's the lad and I? Lord, five, six, seven, eight. Verse five. Thank you. All right. Uh, the lad and I will go over there and we will worship. And Abraham took the, wor- the wood. Listen now, read again. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. What's he doing? He puts, so Isaac, his son, now, now, now you know he can't be two years old because he's going to be, this is the wood that he's going to be sacrificed on. So you, he can't be two years old. He has to be at least 15. How much wood does it take to sacrifice a human being? Quite a bit, Right? But he's taking, come on, Jesus put what on his back? Yeah, but, but he carried the cross made out of wood. So here again, he puts the wood on Isaac's back. Come on, man. He laid it on his son and he took him in his hand and the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked together. Isaac spoke to his, uh, Abraham, his father and said, my father. <laughs> and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? For the burnt offering. And Abraham said, God will provide for himself. The lamb for the burnt offering. Oh, come on, somebody. God will provide for Himself the lamb. Woo! You know the gospel's been preached to Abraham. Are you with me? 
And the two of them walked on together. They came to a place which God had told them and Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Come on, come on. He put him on the, come on. Jesus carried his cross. Abraham put the wood on, on, on Isaac's back and come on, he was, he was hung on the very cross that he carried on his back and now he's about to be laid on the wood, come on, uh, uh, that he was carrying on his own back. Are you with me? And laid him on the altar and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay him. But the angel of the Lord called him. Okay, let's just stop right there. We're gonna go to verse 15. But the point of the matter is here, I think that you get the picture that Abraham is a type of the father and and Isaac is the type of the son. All right, we can see that very, very clearly. Thank you. When the music comes, now I'm gonna eloquently finish off this thing. Finish him. (laughs) Here's another point that I've made before. And I swear to you, it would be here. Just has to be. Because two things have to happen. The obedience of Abraham and the obedience of Isaac. And remember, Isaac has no understanding of what his dad knows. So he had the opportunity to fight his dad. Say, what are you doing? Don't you know that I'm the son of promise? Come on. The Bible says, Abraham bound him. And Isaac, nowhere in Scripture says, fought his father. In other words, he willingly allowed his dad to bind him. At that point, he knows he's about to be the sacrifice. Which means he loved his daddy. That he was willing (laughs) willing to give up his own life. He trusted his dad. He trusted his dad on the word. Dad, where is the sacrifice? The Lord will provide for himself the sacrifice. He trusted the word of his dad, even though everything looked contrary, even though everything was telling him he was gonna be the sacrifice, he still loved his dad and trusted him enough to give up his own life. And this is why I talk about the ministry and people in the ministry. Because you are anointed because the gifts and the callings are without repentance. But there are so many people running around in the ministry used by God and we think just because of talent and skills and everything that you can articulate and you can have enough money in your bank balance to make social media build you an empire. But that doesn't mean that you willingly Allow God to bind you and put you on the altar where He can kill you so that He can resurrect you. 
And there's a lot of people in the ministry running around. They're still very much alive. And, and, and the father, like Abraham, has been trying to bind them to try and bring them to the sacrifice so that God can kill them. Why? Because until you're dead, when you're dead and you get resurrected, it's no longer you that live, but Christ that lives in you. So we've got a lot of professional ministers that have wrestled their way off the sacrifice. I made a post about this yesterday. Jacob was a deceiver, doing things in his own flesh, took the blessing, stole the birthright of his brother. His mother even helped him. And he got the blessing from his dad. The blessing there really is, is that he becomes, you know, the, the bigger and biggest inherit, inheritor there. He gets these, the, the, the blessing to the oldest, to the oldest comes upon him. He's, he's done and what's done is done because that's the way they work. It's the creed, this is the way it goes. And he deceives, he's a deceiver. Come on, we, we are full of ourselves, full of our own ambitions, full of an earthly blessing, but it doesn't mean God's fingerprints on you. The fact that you can do things doesn't mean God's blessing is on it. I don't want anything outside of His hand being on it. I don't want anything in my life outside of the one out of Him saying, I have given this to you. And then he wrestles with God. And God goes, hi-ya! Woo! Kicks him in the hip. He wrestles. What's he doing? He's wrestling, trying to get off the sacrifice. He's wrestling because he wants to stay Jacob. He's fighting, but God prevails. Oh, come on. The prayer is to let God prevail over you and never trust a man without a limp. Every time he limped, it was a reminder, God prevailed. Not only did He prevail over him, over his identity that was found in his efforts and him and me and I, and look at me, I'm wonderful. All of that, his identity was taken. God prevailed over him, put a limp on him and then changed his name from Jacob. You will no longer be Jacob, you will now be Israel. Set him forth into his new destiny. Come on, somebody. And either we believe this word is real or it's not. And if we believe that it's real, then our prerogative is not to chase earthly success. Now, now listen, I'm talking about ministry here. I'm talking about ministry specifically. What does success even look like? It's not the definition that we make it out to be. 
I think probably the highest form of success, and I don't mean to be religious and pious or, you know, just so wonderful and articulate, but, but I would imagine something like, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter ye into the joy of the Lord. You've been faithful with the little. I made you ruler over much. You took what I gave you and you obeyed me. I prevailed over you. Well done. That's probably the highest rate of success that I would imagine. Now, I'm trying to say is that our prerogative isn't to be successful because God doesn't mind for you to be successful. All right, let's not go over into this. Like, okay, so so, um, anointed doesn't mean you're so holy that your clothes have holes all over it. That doesn't mean you're more called. And I'm not knocking anybody, but there's a certain church that make you have the vow of poverty just to get into the priesthood. But, but the guy on top is, wears $20,000 shoes. And he wears a white robe. Or $30,000 shoes. But everybody else has got to take a vow of poverty. Come on, somebody. Religion is evil. Evil. So our prerogative, our prerogative is to get with what eternity is all about. And out of the overflow of having your heart set there, because once your heart is set there and you keep the main thing, the main thing, then every bit of blessing that comes attached with that is going to be motivated by the main thing. And then it's pure. Then it's holy. Amen? And I'll get into just Galatians chapter three next week. Because we'll seal the deal. We'll talk about the blessings of Deuteronomy 28. If you do this, I'll bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you. 14 verses of what I'm going to do for you if you. I'm going to bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. I'm going to if you, if you, if you, if you. If you do this, I will bless you, I'll bless you, I'll bless you. If you don't do this, I'm going to curse you, I'm going to curse you, I'm going to curse you. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't. If you, if you, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to curse you, I'm going to curse you, I'm going to bless you, curse, 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 bless, 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 bless. If you, if you, if you. Now we're going to look at Galatians 3 because you have been totally, that whole thing has been null, made null and void. Every bit of that, the Bible says when it says we've been redeemed from the curse of the law, it means all of it. Even the blessings part. What? What? What did you just say? Even the, what do you mean even the, that was a covenant made with Moses in Galatians 3 that I've just quoted. God, look at the writing of Paul. Paul is saying that's for Moses. You are not in Moses. We have three quarters of the church in 2020-23 that are still associating their covenant blessings with Moses. And it's got nothing to do with Moses. That blessing is in Abraham. Read Galatians. Next week, I'll talk about it. 
Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say this, bless through Abraham. Say, bless through Abraham's seed. Say, I am a part of a New Testament, a new living will. Somebody died in order for me to obtain that will. Say, that will doesn't just work for me when I work for it. It works for me because it's been freely given to me. Now, I want you to, I'll just make one more statement. I promise, this is the last statement I'm gonna make. When I say that you don't have to work for it, it'll work for you. Understand, it's already been given to you. All right? So now we've got to work it and make it work for us. All right? Just to say, I'll, I'll get right to you, I promise. So in other words, if you've got $5 million in your account and you wanna be a good steward over that money, it's all yours, okay? So you, we've already established you don't have to work for it, right? This is what I'm meaning. You don't have to work for that $5 million in your account, but you wanna invest and you wanna buy, you wanna make it multiply. How many, you, you know that it's going to stay 5 million, keeping in mind there's no interest in this account. It's gonna stay 5 million because you're gonna take that talent, you're gonna just hide it and retreat and do nothing with it. All right, it's all been given to you. Or you're gonna take that because it's yours and you're gonna watch it multiply. In other words, you're gonna be, he who is faithful with a little will be made ruler over much. In other words, so it's been freely given to you, but now you've got to work it. It's not about accessing the blessing, the blessing's there. We've got to work the blessing. All right, yes, sir. Correct. So the Bible, and that's very good. Um, and I think I did read that, but I'll read it one more time. So, but yes, to your question, um, he's talking about the tutor. It says here in Hebrews 9:14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot purge? Um, is that, yes, okay. So for where there is a testator, there must also, in fact, Galatians chapter three is where I'm looking for. That's why I'm, I'm it says here, uh, give me a quick second here. Uh, the tutor. Now, uh, Galatians 3 verse 23, but before faith came, who's the faith that it's talking about? Before Jesus came, we were kept under guard by the law. That's Moses. Kept for the faith. In other words, kept for until Jesus comes. All right. Come on, y'all need to just listen to this. Kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. By who? Jesus. Therefore, the law was our tutor. It was our tutor to bring us to Christ. All right? The law's purpose was to bring us to Christ. The law's purpose was never to produce righteousness. The law could never produce. Why are we running after something that can never produce righteousness? Why are we so dead positioned to try to run after something that was never meant to produce righteousness? 
And we want to wrestle with it. We want to fight. We want to have arguments. And Paul's early church escapade was to keep the church free. He's like, stop wrestling. It's never going to make you righteous. Yeah. All right. It says, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by what? Faith. You are not justified by the law. You are justified by faith. By faith in Him. It was imputed righteousness to Abraham because he faithed. And then it says, all right. Right, can I just close off the statement with this here? It says, but after faith. In other words, let's put another word there, but after Jesus. Okay, it says here, but after faith, Jesus has come, He came. We are no longer under a tutor. Now, I mean, if you can't understand that, then I can't help you. After faith has come, you are no longer under the law. What was the law's purpose? To bring us, to lead us to faith. Why was it leading us to faith? Because the law could never produce righteousness, which we think produces righteousness, which it doesn't. It produces death. Paul said, if the ministry engraved on stones, the ministry of death engraved on stones. So he called the law, the ministry of death. He says, but when Jesus has come, we are no longer under the tutor. In other words, you are no longer governed by that covenant. You are now a partaker of a new testament. You have been given a new and living will. In other words, you have been, put your arm up, you have been living on the RV of the law. All right, the RV. And he says, now that you have been brought to Jesus, you no longer, you were on an RV until Jesus comes. All right, on conditions. All right, and then Jesus comes. You are no longer under that. Now I am putting you into the new and living will. And that is now bypassing that 400 years after Abraham, another 430 years. Now the RV that comes here reconnects you to Abraham. Come on somebody. Can we give Jesus a shout of praise here today? How many of you glad you came to church today? How many of you feel a little bit more free? If you're fighting with what I said, don't, you're not fighting with me, fight with the Word. Amen? Praise God. If you are here and you wanna give today, make your checks out to Destiny Revival Ministries or DRM if you're writing out checks. The offering basket is to my right, your left, and uh, you can put cash in envelopes. If you are giving by way of the internet or your smartphone, go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Give Today or the Your Support button. You can give safely and securely. Or lastly, we have the option of texting to give. And then you can text the following 
uh, word give, text the word give to uh, 33743437, text the word give to that number. You'll get a little text message there. And then you can click on that where you can give safely and securely. Notice I say safely and securely quite a bit because we wanna make sure that your giving is safely and securely done. Amen. God bless you. Jesus is Lord. Thank you for coming to church. Love you all. 